Transmitting high atop of Florida's peninsula at 108 feet. This is Alpha Mike, and you are listening to Raider Cup Podcast, episode 167. Today's episode, The Silver Fox, part of the Wise Guys series. We continue, as we said in some previous podcast uh, episodes, that we would finish off the year with Wise Guys series because we were not going to compete with the election. Too powerful. So, without any further ado, the Silver Fox. Who is this person? What legendary status did they have within the La Costa Nostra in New York City? Born Carlo Don Carlo Gambino, August 12th, 24, 1902 in Palermo, Sicily. His family in Sicily was part of the Paso de Ragano family. Gambino entered the United States illegally as a stowaway in Norfolk, Virginia in the year 1921. Once he arrived to New York City, where his relatives were already living at the time, the Castellanos. And he would uh, soon take refuge with that family and work in the, comp- in the family's trucking company. In 1932, Carlo would marry the cousin of Paul Castellano, Paul Castellano's sister would have four children, Thomas, Joseph, Carlo, and Phyllis. From those children, Thomas and Joseph were in mafia circles. Carlo would join Joe the Boss Masseria. Now, this is going to be pride in 1931. And within that structure, he would start growing into what we consider La Costa Nostra, anything after 1931. Of course, that's the date that the commission was created. Carlo would become a made member under Vincent Mangano and the Mangano family which was boss of the Mangano family for 20 years. So Lucky Luciano, 1931, takes over the helm. He splits up Joe the Boss Masseria's family and Maranzano's family. The Maranzano family is awarded to Joseph Bonanno at the age of 26. And through those, um, the following families are separated. Luciano... A lucky Luciano, he has his own family. 
Joseph Bonanno, Salvatore uh, Joseph Provaci, uh, Vincent Mangano, and Gagliano. Those would be the five families. Of course, Mangano would rule for 20 years. Carlo would uh, grow under Mangano and become eventually a capo. After Mangano's death in 1951 by Albert Anastasia, as we spoke about in the last series, Albert Anastasia was the underboss of the Mangano family. He was also in charge of Murder Incorporated by Lucky Luciano. Caused a lot of friction between Albert Anastasia and his boss, Mangano. Anastasia took out Mangano and his brother. When uh, called to the commission, he said he was defending himself. To avoid any further war, the commission really did nothing about it. And Albert Anastasia now, 1951, takes the helm. The family now has changed the name from Mangano to Anastasia. Within all that moving around, Carlo Grambino would grow. Uh, after the death of uh, Mangano in 1951, as we said at the hands of Albert Anastasia, he would regain his position as capo. He never went under uh, that position. 1957 now, here's when the moves are going to start being made. Gambino would replace as consulary of the Anastasia family. Now, during that time, Gambino is replacing a guy by the name of Joseph Bandano. Now, Bandano is, he was the consulary. He's going to be moved up to underboards and as a result, Anastasia. But Vito Genovese sees an opening and he says, I'm going to capitalize on this opening. And he meets with Carlo Gambino and they forge the future for the, for Carlo in becoming boss and taking out Albert Anastasia. Carlo goes along with it and we have discussed that in other episodes. The shooters and the Provacci family was given the contract. As a result, successful, Albert dies and Carlo Gambino is crowned boss by the commission. This event would happen in in upstate New York in 1957 in a commission meeting. Commission meetings back then were a little bit different maybe than they are now. Families from around the countries, there was 26 families in total, would be called to these meetings which were held probably every five years or so. At that meeting, they reward the family of Anastasia to Gambino, and they allow the name to be changed to the Gambino family. Gambino, at that point, was in a very good position because we know that shortly after, that was 1957, but by 1960, Bonanno now was not liking the odds of Gambino on the commission and Lucchese 
So he regarded, Banano regarded them as being a part of the liberal faction of the commission. And Banano, in the, uh, a man of honor, man of honor and uh, by Joseph Bonanno uh, books uh, from back in the 80s sometime I don't know the exact date but uh, in this book Bonanno regards the commission from 1931 up until 1960 had been conservative with himself uh, Provacci Mangandino, uh, he regarded them all as being conservative, even Luciano to a point. Now, Luciano had uh, more liberal traits because of the Meyer Lansky and the syndicate and doing business with non-Italians. But nevertheless, the commission for over 30 years stays very conservative. Of course, after Mangano, they had Albert Anastasia. Now they replaced Anastasia with Gambino, and Bonanno is not liking this because his majority that he had for over 30 years now is kind of switching over to the liberal side, and uh, which it would be regarded as Paolo Gambino and Thomas Lucchese. Carlo uh, Gambino would start seeing a better position for himself on the commission because Bonanno now would, as we discuss in other episodes, would consider taking out Paulo Gambino and Lucchese. He shares this with the new boss of the Provaci family, Malegraco, and he awards that hit or contract to Joseph Colombo. As we discussed in other episodes, Colombo doesn't do the hit, but he sees bigger favor in treasury in revealing what they want to do to Carlo Gambino. Gambino, in return, rewards Joe Colombo with the Provaci family and the change of the name to the Colombo family. Now, Bonanno would end up going on the run because of this, because the commission now would call him and the former leader of the Provaci family, Malagrato, in to answer some questions. Well, Bonanno runs for the next three years. He's on the lam, and Malagrato, as we have said, got slapped on the hand, $50,000, and allowed to walk away. But that's why they were liberal. The conservative wing would never have let anybody walk away. But they were liberal in that respect. And Bonanno now would be faced with the Bonanno Wars or the Banana Wars inside his family. 
and there's a, a revolution will happen and it will spiral out of control for about five years. So while Bonanno's tied up with that, Joe Colombo's the new kid on the block on the commission. Thomas Lucchese and Carlo Gambino are good friends and Vito Genovese is in prison. Things are looking good for Carlo now. From Capo, the little stint as consulary, a cup of coffee, and next thing you know, he's in charge of the commission. Just that fast. During the 1960s, Gambino would have an estimated 500 soldiers and 1,000 associates on the street. Now, a lot of that came from Albert Anastasia's regime. There was allegations that Anastasia was selling membership. Nevertheless, nobody knew who was who, so the numbers were large. As a result, the books were slammed shut from 57 all the way to 1975 because those numbers were way too big and uh, Carlo wanted those numbers down as members started to go to uh, the prison or die. They weren't replaced like they might have been in the past. Now, Carlo was very shrewd and there's where we get the name the Silver Fox. He aligns himself behind Thomas Lucchese. Now, Lucchese was, briefly we'll talk about him, a prior, in 1931, he was awarded, um, he was in the Gagliano family and he was the underboss. Gagliano did not like Bonanno, he did not like Provacci, and he did not like Mangano. So, feeling outnumbered, he went, like, not, not into hiding, but he really didn't associate with anybody. He just ran his family. The only person he would really have contact with was his underboss, was Tommy Slocasey. Cagliano would eventually die of natural causes, and, and um, I believe he 50 sometimes, and we're going to have a show on that later on. And Thomas Lucchese, which had been dealing with all these other families since 31 anyway. Here he is now on the commission. Uh, the Slick Fox, or the Silver Fox, and Carlo Gambino now, would arrange for his son Thomas to marry Thomas uh, Tommy Lucchese's daughter in a big a wedding ceremony aligning both families and strengthening their solidarity on the commission. In uh, 1962, Carlo's oldest son, Thomas, uh, goes ahead and marries Francis Lucchese. And uh, back in 1953, they attempted to deport Carlo. Remember, we said he came in illegally uh, in 1921 in Norfolk, Virginia. And the government now, and he had been naturalized and all that later on, but they said, well, you entered illegally. We're going to deport you because you're a criminal. And the, the first attempt was in 53. They tried again in 67, and they tried in 70. 70, they were a little bit successful with it, but he won an appeal, an appeals court in, in federal court. 
They said, man, you can't give the guy a status and then you make him a naturalized citizen and now you want to throw him away because you don't like him. So that got overturned. So why is he the sick, slick fox? Well, there's a lot of people that say that Carlo was a lot more slicker than what he liked people to believe. He'd walk around like he was an old you know, guy, you know, you'd see pictures of him and uh, harmless and so forth. But uh, the truth was that he was sinister from behind the scenes. And he was an advocate of the the Gallo Wars and the Pavacci family, pushing the ticket there, encouraging them in their stupidity against Joseph Pavacci because he believed that um, he'd get rid of Pravach and he'd instill his person in there. And he tried to do that with Joe Colombo and Colombo resisted a little bit but we all know Colombo got shot in 1970 and blah 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 but he was uh, also uh, very much behind the scenes in the Banana Wars creating havoc on, on that so he was taking out the conservative wing of the commission, the Provacis and the Bananos, and big influence in the Lucchese family. And now he has his own family. The only real competition out there would have been the Genovese family. But Carlo took care of, supposedly, Vito too, because Vito was snitched upon that he was into heroin by a Puerto Rican heroin dealer that testified against Vito, given uh, slamming Vito on a death sentence. And there was no more Vito. Vito would end up dying in 1969 in prison. So later on, that drug dealer would... uh, openly confessed to some people that witnessed it and testified because he himself got killed. But he said that uh, he was paid by Luciano and Gambino to make those statements against Vito Genovese. So the slick fox always behind the realm creating havoc. 1970, Gambino ordered the hit of Thomas Eboli. Eboli would be the acting boss of the Genovese family, but he was heavily into uh, narcotics. Gambino would act like he didn't know anything about it, and he knew that in taking over the Genovese family, he needed some serious income. So, Eboli asked for four million dollar loan. Gambino was quick on giving it and providing it, only to default on him with uh, two gunshots. And that's how uh, he got more respect over in the Genovese uh, family. Where he miscalculated was that the Genovese people had already identified Gambino as being a slickster so he believed Eboli was in charge but he was a front boss from that point on 
till probably today, nobody really understood who was the real boss in the Genovese family. And that has a lot to do with Carlo Gambino. Gambino uh, would eventually die in Massapequa, Long Island, October 15, 1976, at the age of 74. He did have a heart condition. He died very wealthy, very rich, and very powerful. He had his sons turn a lot of legitimate businesses, like consolidated trucking and so forth. And the family would sit on an empire of millions. Paul Castellano, his brother-in-law, also would create millions and millions, if not billions of dollars in legitimate money because of Gambino's relationship and ability to create all this income. He was the slick fox in... Joseph Bonanno's book, A Man of Honor, he kind of downplays Gambino's role. And in an interview with 60 Minutes that we're going to put on the show notes, he tells the interviewer, George Wallace, that Gambino was a weasel. And when the interviewer says, you're saying that Carl Gambino's a weasel? And he says, yes. I, I tell it to his face. And uh, he was bold about it. Gambino was not uh, a heavy hitter in mafia circles. Gambino was at the right place at the right time. And he elevated in power. A lot of people would turn around and say, well, Gambino had immense power, and people feared him. He had power, all right, because he used the commission to his own abilities, where prior to that, commission chairmen, Joseph Bonanno being one of them, Luciano, uh, Frank Costello, they really did not use the commission as their own personal bank. They went there, made rulings, and went back to, to govern their families. Gambino was obsessed with the commission enforcing his will on other families. That's why he would always be regarded as that slick fox. Bonanno's boldness in calling him a weasel? What happened to Bonanno? A lot of people say, well, he's a snitch. He's no good. They shelved him. I don't think so. I think he retired. He walked away. But that crap that they put him on the shelf. Now, we've told or explained to people in uh, mob circles, you can either uh, retire gracefully and uh, walk away from the life. You still are somewhat a man of respectability, as they say. Uh, but you're retired from all activities. You're living off your earnings, let's say. Or you're put on the shelf. That means you're thrown out. Nobody wants you. 
and you are forbidden to contact anybody that is a made member or deal in mob circles. Well, Bonanno wasn't shelved, especially by Gambino. That's not, and was never going to happen. Bonanno walked away, went to Arizona and tried to create his family uh, out west. It didn't work out for him, but he did have a huge influence in Canada, which still exists today. So if he was shelved, nobody told the guys up in Canada because they were talking to him, or the Sicilians because they were talking to him too. So that's a bunch of baloney, and uh, that he broke uh, or made it. Well, he might have right writing the book, uh, but I think he did that spitefully too because uh, they put him out there. In the 60s, he put them out there in the 80s. I think that book is from like 87 or something like that. And uh, Rudy Giuliano would use that book against uh, the commission. It's 85, 86. He would use it against the current commission. And, uh, you know, because again, uh, Bonanno has spelled out that there is a commission. So that was the only real incriminating aspect of that book Banana would refuse to talk about it and go to jail for refusing the answer. But uh, this is not about uh, Banano. This is about Gambino. So Gambino was powerful, but prior to 1957, he was a couple from Brooklyn. That's about it. But he was a slick fox to get the power that he needed not only in his family but to rule the commission and have ultimate power. That's why he was the slick fox. All right, word of the week, Proverbs 12.25. Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Up next, on December 5th, Betting Down the Hatches, episode 168. And that is part of our Buccaneer series. Remember... We launch now on Wednesdays and Saturdays. I've got a lot more work. Our episodes are less than 30 minutes, making a lot of people happy. They don't have to hear me that long. And we hit straight to the point. As always, it is my honor and pleasure to be your host on Radar Cop Podcast. Continue to pray for yourself because without you in the game, we have nothing. Continue to pray for your family, for your community, and for the law enforcement agency that serves you. But most importantly, especially now, in these hectic times, continue to pray for the United States of America. This is Alpha Mike, and I'm out.